Welcome to ADI, Auto-Driven Artificial Intelligence, the podcast that shows you how to leverage the power of chat-based AI in your business. I'm your host, Laura Hummeling, and this is my co-host. Together, we'll explore this cutting-edge tool, its legal and ethical implications, and the delicate balance between human creativity and artificial intelligence. So buckle up and let's dive in. There's a couple of different ways that people aren't excited, I feel like. Where there's, there's people that are like, kind of treating this like it's like nothing, right? Or it's like, oh, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to be this that big of a deal or something. Who's not, doing that? I don't know. I feel like that's a thing. Is that a thing? I feel like it would be. Really? Okay. I don't know. Um, I feel like there has to be a couple people out there that are like... <laughs> At least a couple. Right. <laughs> They're that, that like, oh, AI is not going to take out... You know, people like who um, were saying that about like the internet or... TV. Oh, that it was just a passing fad. Right, whatever. exactly. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know, yeah. we love quoting those people later on because then, you know, we get to see how incredibly wrong they were. I but know. Exactly. I feel like the other one, the other people that aren't excited are um, like anti-excited where they're like doomsayers and stuff well, and such. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who are like really worried it's going to take their jobs and some of them are right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Um, but, I mean, you know, as far as the writing goes, like even with writers, I've seen both, like, where people are, um, I, I had one person who was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And then I had another one, very, like, two days later, who was like, I don't, how is this relevant to me? And so right. it's really interesting, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of that is what they are doing. Like, I think for authors who are trying to help people achieve a goal or, like, learn a new motivational technique or, you know, where they're trying to educate, yeah. then it's like really great because it gives them uh, some good ways to communicate that, right? Right. It gives them the ability to like, um, they don't have to worry about the writing process. They can just like kind of describe the process to the robot and the robot then can make it all book shaped, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Whereas other people where they want to tell a personal story or they want people to learn from their own experience you know mm -hmm. or they have something um, they just really enjoy the writing process itself well this that the AI isn't going to be uh, that important especially not for the writing process but yeah. I still maintain it's gonna it's awesome for uh, marketing for book marketing for writing emails yeah. and all these you know whatever kind of writing that you really don't like I think it is amazing seriously yeah. AI for writing, it feels like it's it's useful for people who don't necessarily want to do the writing part, right? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. People who struggle to do, to reach page limits in school sort mm -hmm. of people, right? Yeah, but they have something really valuable, uh, a message or, you know, like a program or some way they really, really want to help people. And, uh, and the cool thing about AI is that you can give it an idea, right? And say, talk about this, and it will. So you can have it talk about your idea. I think it's absolutely revolutionary in a good way. I think even people who are worried about losing their jobs, look, there's always places for people to have jobs. And it's, it's going to change jobs, but it always has. Mm -hmm. And so really, I think a big part of what we're talking about is how human beings respond to new, new technology. Yeah. Or a new, uh, a new technological like boom, as it yeah. were. Yeah, this is huge. This is as big as the internet. It's as big as the industrial revolution with the Luddit riots. Hopefully, none of those happen. The what? <laughs> the Luddit riots. Luddit. Luddit. 
Luddites. Um, in uh, uh, like when the industrial revolution started happening, and um, I think it was specifically when like the loom, like the automatic automatic loom was made. Oh. Um, a lot of people lost their jobs as like loomers or whatever uh, you would call them, uh, and they had you know a fit over this because they're like technology has stolen my job. Like it's this isn't a new thing that we've been shouting. Yeah. Of you know so and so took my job. It's <laughs> like it's been a cycle since yeah. the dawn of time. Or right. Exactly. You know. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, it just really puts human beings in the position of being more creative. Right. The things that we've been doing that haven't been that creative, those jobs, more of those jobs are going to go away. Mm-hmm. But the jobs that are creative are going to be enhanced. Maybe that's why I'm excited about it. Yeah. Well, that's why any any writer should be excited about it. It's because you know, it gives them more time in order to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can, you know, I think that um, there are a lot of ethical and legal issues that it has the potential for changing the... The entire landscape of copyright. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's exactly. like something we can't even really predict, I now, feel like. it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Let's just say that. I mean, we've been, we've been starting to see that since, like, you know... Um, was it stable diffusion on Disney and we're able to make perfect Disney character rec- recreations basically like in the Disney style and what did Disney do well Disney couldn't do anything because it was not like it's not like someone that had drawn that it was the robot you can't huh. sue a robot right well somebody owns the robot I wonder but they couldn't do anything huh? they, I don't they I don't remember them doing anything maybe they're in the process of like trying to figure out what they can do even okay that was like a year ago it's not it's not very long period of time as far as legal procedures go. Okay. Um, well, even recently I saw that, um, oh, ha, this is really interesting. Have you heard about that new uh, Tolkien? Yeah. J.R. Tolkien series that they're doing? Or no. there's some kind of like new um, Lord of the Rings spinoff? Yeah. That I think Netflix is doing. Okay. So get this, they're being sued by a fanfic a fan fiction. Oh my god. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because they stole ideas from the they fan fiction. They stole idea. They stole the idea from the fan fiction uh, forum, <laughs> and now the guy is suing him. That's hilarious. Okay, so now the question is, will he win? Will this per what he or she? I right. don't know. Well, very interesting amount of like depth in the fan fiction community as far as like some people get paid off of it, which is incredible to me. They get paid to do the fan fiction. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's weird. Um, but like, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Cause that, I just yeah. saw that. I didn't read further. But, yeah. Cause um, it's like, that's his, you know, like the fan fiction itself, you know, Tolkien's original work or using Tolkien's original setting or whatever. Uh huh. And then, then Netflix to steal that like word for word, like plot devices or whatever they did is copyright infringement. Or is it? Yeah, like it, it feels like a rights violation, but I don't know. Like I a wonder, well, somebody took up the case, so there's that. But right. it'll be interesting to see what happens because, yeah. you know, the internet is changing even what I think, even what we view intellectual property in publishing and in, you know, the written word. We can rail against it or we can go with it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's really what we're going to see. Now, we could end up with a situation like what happened with the diamond industry. Yeah. Right, where um, instead of where when they made artificial diamonds, the CV, yeah. aren't they called CV or something? The CX lab grown. or C lab grown diamonds. Yeah. So the um, 
the diamond industry, all the diamond moguls got together, those families got together real fast, mm -hmm. real fast. To discuss what and, they were going to do. And then, right, because it was the end of their business that those things took hold. Right. So then they, they um, discredited those diamonds and were like, oh, it's not a real diamond. You know, you want right. to have a real diamond. Your woman, right, for engagement, your, yeah. your woman deserves a real diamond. Yeah. And so they, they were able to change the market to where the real diamonds were the ones. And to this day, you know, no self-respecting uh, groom is going to buy his, his fiance a fake diamond right. if he can afford it. Right. And at least he won't tell her that anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a whole other thing. That's a, yeah, that's you, a whole. Don't other think thing. like that. No, no. I don't. Ooh. I don't. I just I know other people do, right? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but um, um, I feel like there's also like like humans. We have this sense of like what is valuable, right? Uh -huh. And like part of us understands that, like the diamond itself, it's not not special in any sense. It's a bunch of carbon that's like been fused together, right? But it's the True. it's the symbol that diamonds are. Right, mm -hmm. that they're rare, that they're precious, and then to commodify that in a mm -hmm. in a cheap way with lab-grown diamonds mm -hmm. isn't necessarily useful, right? So, in a sense, they their campaign one is what you're saying because because it was already in line with human yeah. behavior, and so we're always going to value our own contribution more than we do yeah. that of a of a robot. Yeah. Well, the the thing about a robot's con contribution it's like very directly rehashed, you know? Yeah. There's this phrase that, oh, there's nothing new under the sun, but like a lot of people don't directly know what they're rehashing necessarily, or, you know, maybe they've just had an idea that someone else had a while ago. Um, it's still a human voice and it's a human expression of creativity. Mm -hmm. And what the robot does, what the AI does, is they, um, they have all these books or all of these writings and all of this like conversation and they can just take that and they're like, all right, well, this is the way it listed this feeling because I've been told it does this feeling by, you know, yeah. large batch data, you know? Right. And that large batch data is what's really important right now because here's the other thing. See, right now it's like the sweet spot with, with AI where all the material that's on the internet has been created by humans. Mm -hmm. But five years from now, unless people are creating new inputs, right it's going to be the same regurgitated nonsense that it is today. Yeah. There is not just a desire, but there's an absolute need mm -hmm. for human creativity to continue. And maybe it is feeding the system, you know? And to an extent, it yeah, it would be feeding the system. But how exactly is that a bad thing? Right. Do you know what I'm saying? There's always going to be, like, people that feel like it's... An infringement or something? The, the robot's always going to be infringing on something. Right, because it has to have this large batch data in order to know what it's talking about, you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, we do the same thing when we read books and we're like, we say, "Oh, this is a really good like." I like the way that this sounds or the way this feels, and then you try to elicit that response with your own words, you know, later yeah. on. It's just that um, it's it's all nebulous because the robot is very efficient at doing it, and it's it doesn't have the social norms about plagiarism. But it is programmed to accommodate like literal plagiarism. But there's like there's like a like a conceptual plagiarism that I think we still like try to avoid. You know. Oh, right, right. Okay, I see. What you mean. Even if something is inspired by Tolkien, right? They're not gonna make the same world 
and not say it's by Tolkien, right? Mm -hmm. Like back what we were talking about before with the fan fiction writer, they'd said, you know, in their fan fiction that this is directly inspired by Tolkien's universe, maybe mm -hmm. even has some of Tolkien's characters. They didn't use those concepts like word for word or like feelings word for word and then not give credit, you know? Well, I think, okay, so that's a good question. Will the AI do that or no? Can it even know how? Can well, it even know? it could be programmed to know from, in a certain style or whatever. Yeah. Right? I honestly don't know that part as well because okay. I know that a lot of this AI development is very mysterious to us, which is spooky, I suppose, in its own right. Well, I know that the educators are having a time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've already read that they're uh, creating anti-AI uh, software to right. where they can identify if some student's essay has been created with AI. So and all this stuff, it's going to continue to roll out just like that, you know. So um, it's not the end of education as we know it. It's not, you no. know, any of those things. But I think that, like I said, it's here to stay, right? Oh, absolutely. So then how do authors, how can authors best use right. AI in what they do? Yeah, well, it's, it's a tool, you know? So what I was thinking is that I've been exploring AI here for a couple weeks, right? Which isn't very long, but I have gleaned quite a bit from that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed is that it's only as good as the prompts that you give it. And also it's very good at lower level stuff. I would consider it lower level stuff like like recipes. It, it was amazing yeah. AI here. Uh, but I was using Bing and ChatGPT. Yeah. Four, not three and a half, four. So um, with those, I would say that if an author is starting, you know, if somebody who wants to write a book is starting to look at AI, then the best thing that they can do is just get on there and start playing around with it mm -hmm. and use some of their, some of the things that they're inspired to do. Like if you want to write a book about business techniques, then put in two or three of your best business techniques, say, you know, five ideas of such and such and so forth. Yeah. So, so I guess what I'm saying is they don't want to be afraid to use their ideas because quite frankly, like you were saying, there's nothing new under the sun. I guarantee those ideas are not unique. Mm. They're not a hundred percent unique. No. You have a unique flavor, you know, as, right. as any person does of like how you apply them and like what order and all that sort of thing. But mm -hmm. You know. and, and the AI is only going to write the draft, okay? Right. It's not going to be ready to go. It's not going to be, it's only going to give you what you ask it to give you, but it is going to give you a starting point. And from that starting point, uh, you you write your work and you make it what it, it's going to be. Yeah. And it's that's a, that's a really good point because it's like, people are like, oh, I'm going to write my book with this. And uh -huh. we're encouraging like a little bit of that, but you can't. Like, it's not a finished book. Nope. It's only going to be a draft, and it's only going to give you inputs or give you outputs that you like if you give it good prompts. Right. And so you're going to have to really understand how it thinks. Yeah. And what it... And how to communicate with it. Yeah. Because it's not... It's still a robot. It doesn't know how to read context or social norms or whatever you're thinking when you're telling it things. You know, right. It's it's going to take directly what you say and it's going to give it to you back. And you're a lot of times you're going to be really confused. Yeah, because you're going to be like, well, I don't know. That wasn't really exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. So, you know, in getting started, 
yeah, do your homework and play around with it and see where it takes you. It is a really, really powerful tool. I actually started working with it with like writing emails. And I think that was a good place to start because I really got a good sense of um, what it can do, what kind of inputs I need to give it mm-hmm. to get the outputs that I wanted. So, you know, that might be. You could even do this too. in a, sorry, you could even do this in a um, personal or business emails. You could have like exactly. AI write a, uh, a first draft for you, mm-hmm. you know. And you know what you want it to sound like because you, you know, this thing, you know, you know, emails very well. And so you can figure out a lot easier and a lot faster what you're missing or what the robot is missing from the email itself, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because there is a learning curve for human beings in using this technology. Mm. It's not just, you know, it's not going to be able to interpret or figure out what you're trying to say. It's going to come up with some really cool ideas, but they're only going to be as cool as the prompts you give it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADI, Author Driven Artificial Intelligence. We hope that our discussion has inspired you to embrace the incredible potential of chat-based AI in your work. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share ADI. To learn more about how to leverage author-driven AI in your business, visit our website at adiproductivity.com. Until next time, keep exploring and get ahead of the curve with chat-based AI.